Ron Ananian. I love doing that at the shop. It drives people nuts. I take out all the scopes and the scan tool. You ready to diagnose the car? Yeah. I either get out the two-ounce ball-peen hammer when I know what the problem is. I hit it. The part shuts off. The car's not. I go, we're diagnosed. Or I'll spray it with water and see what that does. Thank God for American cars. Every little thing you do. Oh, yeah. The car doctor. Yeah, you better move a shop up here. All the mainers calling you for help. Yeah, I'm telling you. We're the main man. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Me and you for the next hour, we're going to sit here and talk about cars and problems and hopefully all get smart or smarter if we can and uh, solve some issues and uh, keep you smiling and happy down the road. Let's kick the garage doors open right away. Let's go to Rob in Florida, 06 Honda CRV and an ABS problem, anti-lock brake problem. Rob, welcome to the car doctor hey thanks for having me can i uh talk to you about something before you get to the music problem sure absolutely well I've been, i'm in my 60s and i've been working on cars since i was about 15 and my son has picked up the uh the niche also he's a way better tech than i am he's the one that loves this show and talks to me about getting in touch with you he thinks you are the greatest well, take that uh, walk the planet tell, tell, tell your son thank you and uh you know what it's uh it's i love hearing that the younger techs and older techs alike are listening um and listen you guys call me out when i'm doing it wrong you let me know and i'm counting on it and uh you know i'm just yeah. here to try and just share what i know and share what i've seen and continue to see so uh by all means i'm glad to have you and your son and everyone else out there thank you sir we appreciate that. That's typical of most uh, tradesmen. It's, it's just time. How many times you've run into this problem yep. and and uh, dealing with it. Yep. But this this particular problem started out when I was just going to do a complete preventive maintenance to my daughter's CRV 06 Honda. Right. And one of the things I was doing was putting new brake pads on it. So I decided to go ahead and flush all the fluids. That means every fluid in that vehicle is going to be exchanged. So when I was working with the brakes, I started flushing the brakes, and I noticed that the pad on the driver's side rear was in pretty good shape, and all all the other pads are pretty worn out. So I thought that was a little anomaly right there. Yeah, it's kind of so weird. Then when I went to bleed the brakes, I got no fluid out of the uh, driver's side rear. Okay. And so I started backing it up, backing it up, backing up, all the way to the ABS module. All the lines are clear. The caliper's good. Everything's good. It, it turned out to be the, the ABS module will not let fluid through there. So we did take the lines off and blew air pressure through it. And it did get it to move, and it bled. But then as soon as I started driving the car, it went right back to no fluid in that wheel again. So... Yeah, it's time for. It AB- sounds like it's time for an ABS control module. It does. So my question to you is, uh, a known good used one. I'd like to take one off myself. Or what do you suggest? Is there a good rebuilder for those things? To my knowledge, there's no good rebuilders, or there there aren't any rebuilders that I've seen. Um, I'll share the story this way. So, oh, it must have been a year ago now. We had a 2008 Ford Expedition, big truck. 
had the world's mm-hmm. worst brake pedal. Just and this is a low mileage vehicle. I forget how many it had on it. It wasn't a lot. Thirty thousand, forty thousand miles, something like that. Uh, talked about it here on the show, as a matter of fact. And uh, the car sat a lot. It was a farm vehicle that didn't get used a lot. It was you know used to bring hay around and you know bring uh, excess bagels down to the duck pond, that kind of thing when they when they took it out. And um, uh-huh. you know over time the brake pedal just 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 turned to mush. It turned to junk. And you know I ended up. I ended up going through it, and piece by piece, it had one bad caliper on it. We changed two. We found a restricted hose. We changed two. You know, all the logical things. And the pedal improved, but it was never really great. I ended up having to put an ABS hydraulic control unit on it. By process of elimination, there was nothing else left. The vehicle stopped great. It did everything it was supposed to do. Got paid down the road. Sat there. That sat on my bench for a week, and I kept thinking about it. I said, what is it inside of this that created that low brake pedal. I got to tell you, Rob, I took that hydraulic control unit apart, every nut and bolt, every piece clip, looked at every passageway. I still can't figure it out. I can't see what would make the pedal. The only thing I can think of is there is an accumulator in there that holds residual pressure on the system, and I'm thinking the spring was fatigued or somehow failed, and it allowed it to go into a bypass mode, and that's why the pedal was bad. So, uh, you know, you ask about, you know, rebuilders. I don't know if anybody's got the expertise at the street level, so to speak, because I don't know how many of these are out there failing. And it seems like the ABS hydraulic control units are the weak links in a lot of these cars. Now, it seems like it. It seems like the people aren't picking it up. Nope. Even though my Honda guy says he's never had one bad, I wonder how many people really don't know they. And, you know, that's 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 no barometer either, because as with the Ford, I asked my Ford dealer when I ordered the control unit, he goes, wow, you're buying one of these? I think this thing was like $1,800. And I yeah. said, why do, you, why do you ask, Anthony? And he goes, we've never sold one. You know, and that scares the hell out of you. I mean, in plain English, there's no way, to, you know, like you got to, you know, talk about courage of conviction. You got to know your diagnosis is right. Okay. You got to know that you're on the money. And I, I was right. It fixed the car. If you think it's yeah. bad, and it's to me it sounds like it's bad, now the question is, do you put a new one on from Honda? And, you know, Honda's right up there with, you know, we're not ashamed to charge anything we want for a part. They're just, you know, they're... they're yeah, it's going to be between 1500 and $2,000 for yeah. ABS model. Yeah, uh, right. you know, yeah. Would, I, would I look for a used one? Here's the answer that's probably going to shock everybody listening to this broadcast. Yeah, I probably would. All right, uh-huh. I, I'm going through this right now with a Hyundai Tiburon for a customer, an 07 Hyundai. There's one left in the country. One. Okay? And the problem begets itself. What am I going to do when that new one shows up and it's bad and it's 1200 yeah. bucks, and I can't yeah. get another one? Then what do I do? Yeah. So I've got my used... Parts guy finding one. Matter of fact, I have to call him back. I just remembered he called Thursday. Um, you know, we can find a used one. He thinks somewhere around $300. For $300? And mine's an electrical issue. Mine's not reporting correct response on the electrical on the module side. So, uh, you know, for 300 bucks, I'll take it, plug it in, it's fixed, and then I'll go through and bleed it. And if it doesn't bleed, at least I know, okay, now I've got to bite the bullet. And, again, this is up to the customer. In your case, it's your car, so you can make the call. You know, you inform the customer all along the way. But, yeah, some of these parts are getting very cost prohibitive. And you know what? 06, it's, uh, what, 14 years old now almost. 
gee, Rob, right. why, are you, why are you fixing this old car? You need to buy a new car. Come on down to Honda. We'll put you into one for forty grand. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, where are we going here? Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's part of the issue. So if I can find a good, clean, used one, yes, sir. I would give it a shot for a couple hundred bucks versus fifteen hundred. It's worth the try. No guarantee it's going to last any longer, but okay. y y yeah, you yeah. know, um, yeah, definitely, definitely. There right, is there, there is some used guys that are like LKQ that sell stuff. I was also looking at eBay, and I really kind of wanted to pull one off myself, find a wrecked one, and pull it off myself. Yeah, myself. that would be, and that's my concern. I've got a decent used car, used used parts guy that I, you know, I told him I said, listen, I want you know the port sealed. I don't want any crud falling in it. You know, obviously it's important, and he gets it. Um, he's yet to find one. What that's you know. Uh, that's that's the issue too, but um, yeah, no, I understand. I understand. Believe yep. me. Um, well, thanks for uh, thanks for your information. And man, like I said, the uh, my son thinks so highly of you. It was it was amazing. Like you, that uh, I'll have to start listening to the show more. And he, uh, I think he's probably listening as we speak. Well, tell <laughs> tell you tell your son hi and uh, listen. I appreciate it. All the younger techs, older techs. Like I said, glad to be here for you guys. I've always said I try to be the face of this industry and help it any way I can. You take good care, Rob. Have a good rest of the afternoon. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I'm running Annie the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't call us. That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Let's go over to Jason in Kentucky, 2015 Ford Explorer. Hey, Jason, how are things down there Kentucky way? You're doing great. I'm doing great, Ron. How about you? I'm doing well, sir. How can I help you? I've got, my wife has a 2015 Ford Explorer. Okay. Um, I'm a newer listener via podcast. Okay. And, um... I've been listening back through your episodes, and you said that about 100,000 miles on these, on the ones with the uh, V6, which hers has, that they tend to uh, eat up water pumps. Yeah. And I was wondering if there was anything I could do to try and prolong that. I've looked into the procedure. It's, oh boy, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of work. Is that you know, the best or what? I'm like, what, yeah. what are they thinking? Timing change, special tools, tensioners, take the oil control solenoid out of the way. I, you know, it's like open heart surgery. It's a water pump. All right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. And, and you know, because I think the majority of people, you know, when faced with the dilemma of performing that repair on a 100,000-mile vehicle, oh, I don't want to do that. I'll buy a new car. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's... The only well, the thing... problem is a new one's fifty, sixty grand, though. Right. You know, Th not a problem for them. I, you know, it's yeah. you know, it's it's you know, I I I don't want to listen. I don't want to be a, a, a doomsday machine pre predictor here, Jason. I just mm -hmm. I just think we're on this this collision course. You know, the the the, the collision course of you know technology. Um, you can see it. All right, the collision course of technology, uh, electric vehicles. Get rid of the internal combustion engine. It's getting to be too complicated to work on. Too many parts, too many procedures, too high a cost, and something as simple as a water pump. My gosh, in, in 1965, small block Chevy water pump. You know, four fan bolts. They were five. They were uh, half inch. Um, four water pump bolts. They were three eighths. The pump was off in 20 minutes. You could do. You could have lunch at the gas station and your sandwich at lunchtime and do a water pump. 
Yeah. You know, now it's you know it's it's a day's it's a day's procedure, easily. It is. And 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 here's the other side of it. Okay, the 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 cause of catastrophe, or let me think of how I can explain that. The liability factor is huge in terms of you better put it together right. You better not be off a tooth on the cam. You better not. Oh, you, know, yeah. you, be, you better hope the O ring on the oil control solenoid. You know you lubed it up good and it goes in and you don't cut it and it doesn't leak and you know there's 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 a hundred things that can fail and cause bigger damage from doing a water pump. Yeah. So what are we going to do, right? It's it's this is the technology we're faced with. I think a couple of things are going to change, and then I'll answer your question. I think one of the things that are going to change is people are going to have to come to accept that they're going to pay more for auto repair. And I think the industry as a whole is going to have to continue to do what it's doing. The industry is, for the longest time now, at least 20 years that, I'm, that I can look back and say, they're really investing heavily in themselves. There's a lot of really good technicians out there working hard every day just to keep everybody on the go, on, on the go and keep America rolling. And I think that's going to continue. I think the length and the life of your water pump, it's, it really comes down to maintenance. It really does. All right. I, okay. I think at the very least, five-year, 100,000-mile coolant services like Ford calls for, or whatever their number is on whatever coolant's in that car, orange, green, yellow, et cetera. And, okay. you know, I'm a, I'm a 10% guy. If they tell me five years, I do it in four. If they tell me seven years, I do it in five and a half. You know, I kind of fudge factor okay. it a little bit. I think if more is good, enough is better, and too much is just right. And, yeah. you know, that's that's just the way it is. I think, Is that because of the acidity that you said can can occur in in, in coolant as it gets older? Yeah, I think and it's it, acidity. It, it but, eats away at the bearings in it? Or, well, I think... It's I, got I, the, all the tension from the chain on it. I right. mean, that's, that's a lot. It's right in the V right. there. That's It's not just runoff of it. It's it's a pivot point for the chain, and that's that's a lot of pressure on that thing. Well, I think it's a lot of pressure on the component in that, you know, we took something that used to just, you know, control a fan, and now we've got, like as you say, a timing chain running off of it. It's in an enclosed environment. It's running hotter. It's, it's, it's really under a lot of strain. And, okay. you know, it's also going to come down to what component are we going to use? I think to use anything other than something OE quality, although this week, after this last couple of weeks at the shop, I'm starting to question OE quality on OE components on some things, so I'm not quite sure yeah. what to do. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, some of these decisions are going to be in the hands of the technician, and it's, it's their call. But I also think overall vehicle maintenance is important. Good coolant service, good oil changes. You know, oil does more than just lubricate. It cools. It helps. It helps keep the engine cleaner on the inside. That cleanliness translates into lower overall, you know, operating temperatures. I think yeah. that the car that gets, you know, regular fuel system treatment on a regular basis is less prone to misfire. Uh, you know, anything you can do to keep that engine in as peak condition as possible. Okay, I've got the fuel and oil covered i'm religious with oil changes um i i do um i had fuel injector cleaner every oil change actually last week after listening to you i picked up some berryman um throttle body cleaner good move the throttle body off yep clean the throttle body off i clean the mass airflow sensor about every other oil change um and just and stay on top of that stuff let me let me ask you jason how dirty was the throttle body it wasn't too bad, really. I mean, it had a little bit of 
of uh, schmutz, as you would say, around the, the, the blade openings, but just a slight discoloration. There right. wasn't a lot of carbon built up. There wasn't a lot of, of anything that concerned me for a vehicle with 65,000 miles. Right. It just looked like, you know, you could tell it had been used. Yeah. Um, you know, it looked good as new when I was done. Yep. Staying um, on top if it, it counts. There wasn't there wasn't anything that that overly concerned me. Like I said, I run injector cleaner through every oil change and uh, and stuff like that to to try and help um, the injectors, you know, and the and the uh, pump and stuff. I never try and never let the gas tank go below uh, quarter tank. That it's my wife's car, so getting her to do that is a little uh, well wow. <laughs> a little bit of a task sometimes. You know, but she's gotten better. I've got I've got one of those too. You know, she thinks E means enough. Fortunately, fortunately, my wife never listens to the show, so I'm okay. Um, you know, oh, here she comes. I gotta go. Um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, no, I get it. Hey, listen, Jason, keep doing what you're doing. When that car gets to be, you know, the ninety, ninety-five thousand mile mark, talk to your Ford dealer, talk to your mechanic, and say, hey, I think we're coming due for a water pump. What do you think? And um, I would also pay attention to bulletins and recalls because, you know, that's one of those things. I think if Ford sees enough failures, they're going to be pressured into doing something about it. My understanding is I think it's 2020 or 2021 model year Explorer is coming out with a redesigned engine, and it's mounted uh, front to back the way God intended things to be, where the engine faces forward. And they're doing so in order to pull the water pump out from underneath the cover because of the failures and the problems that they're having. They want to relocate it. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. Uh, but you know, just I've, just just be aware. I've heard that as well. I've got. A, I'm a tool and die maker. I've got a buddy who uh, built some of the transmission components for the new 10 speeds that's going in the new Ford and GM, the ones that they they uh, combine together on. Right. And supposedly um, that's going in the new Explorer as well. I've heard that it's going to be rear-wheel drive as well. Or yeah. a rear-wheel drive-based platform. Right, yeah, exactly, say. exactly. Hey, Jason, i got to go. I'm up against the clock. I really appreciate you being there, bud, and I appreciate the call. Thanks for being a podcaster, and thanks for listening to us. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll take you guys all day long, and uh, thanks for some great questions. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. We are cruising back. Back right after this, don't go away. Here, let me point out too. You know, CarDoctorShow.com is where you want to be. Get out and uh, check us out online, and also don't forget we're on Facebook, Ronanini and the Car Doctor. And if you're a podcaster, there's other hours of this radio show. You'll find at CarDoctorShow.com. Um, the whole list is there via Spreaker, and uh, it gets out to iTunes and TuneIn and all the other places that the Car Doctor is. We're putting the wheels on the radio show and taking it out to the airwaves. So have been for many, many years, and we're glad to be here for you. Let's get over to Jim in Maine, 1990 2500 plow truck. Jim, it's going to stop snowing sooner or later. You won't need this truck for much longer till next year we'll worry about it then oh <laughs> uh, well i also use it to um get firewood in the summertime so i can survive the winter up here all right then we'll fix but, it all right let's see what we got what are we working on well i call it christine because i think it's uh possessed but anyway it's got a 350 cubic inch engine it's a two barrel throttle body right it's had a new fuel tank it's had a new fuel pump New uh, distributor cap, rotor, wires, uh, map sensor, and temp sensor. 
And I don't know what sends the fuel pump a signal to pump more pressure. I think whatever that particular thing is, I think that's what it needs to be replaced. I don't know. I don't have an analyzer for this. Mine only goes from 96 or newer, so I don't have any codes on it. Okay. So well, you could keep in mind, you can jumper the two end pins. I have to think back now, but it'd be easy enough to look up. But the two end pins and the square body connector or ALDL connector under the dashboard, if we ground those key on engine off and we can count the flashes of the light, you'll get a 1 and a 2, uh, 12, meaning the start of sequence, and then it'll flash the fault code, and then it'll go through that three times, and then it'll flash a 12 again, showing you the end of sequence. So, for example, if it's setting a code 43, you would see blink, 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 and you'd see that 43 come out three times, and then you'd see the 12 again. Um, you see how well they beat that into me back in the 90s that I still remember it 30 years later? You know, you can still go through it. So, you know, you do have a, you do have a way to get codes. So when this stalls, is this intermittent, or is this it, it runs on high idle, it warms up, and then whoosh, it shuts off? Right. That's what it does. But after I get done plowing for two hours, I can park the truck, and it'll sit there and idle for 10 minutes. And I don't understand it. it okay. But usually it idles, it warms up, and then it just shuts off. And then you hit the key and starts right back up. Okay. So normally I'd be sitting here talking to you about, and I've got to do my due diligence, and I know these are some of these things you probably can't test, but I just want to plant the seed in your brain. You know, talk about fuel pressure. Is fuel pressure 9 to 13 pounds like it's supposed to be? This should be a low-pressure system. Um, you know, when it stalls, it restarts, so I doubt this is a spark issue. Do we have any vacuum leaks? Uh, you know, it's always possible something older like this, um, always a good possibility. I would also tell you to check minimum idle speed. There was, maybe this is one we should have known we should have gotten out of the industry, but GM had this funny-looking rubber-shaped plug. It was this, I don't know, it was this oblong-shaped cork made out of rubber that you would stuff into the idle inlet control where the idle inlet control valve lived, and it would block off airflow through that and it would just cause you to run on throttle plate air, and you would have to set what we call minimum idle speed. If the idle speed hasn't been touched since day one, chances are it's okay. It's uh, 30, 90, 27, 30, 29 years ago. Uh, you know, the throttle shaft could be worn, which is something else to consider here. You know, how much yeah. lateral movements in the throttle shaft, up, down, back, and forth, because they did wear out, and this is probably a higher mileage truck, I'm guessing? Yeah, it's got about 186000 on yeah, it. Yeah, so 200 grand, it's due a throttle body. So all those are okay. things you can do and go look at, all right? Here's, okay. what, I, here's what I think is wrong with the truck. <laughs> Okay, because I, I think I have the answer. Um, and by the way, because it's a plow vehicle, I'd also look at grounds and cleanliness and, you know, how rusted is everything. And we're looking for the wiring harness that's maybe, you know, the eyelet's hanging on by a thread because it's worn out and corroded and so forth. Okay. When you go through all that and you realize it's not possessed because it's, it's, there's always a reason, all right? I bet okay. this has a bad pickup coil inside the distributor. The way, it, the way it works is the pickup coil, all right, generates an AC voltage signal. 
And mm-hmm. if, you, if you take that distributor out and look at it, you'll see that as the, as the teeth line up, the stars line up, it creates a magnetic field, and then as it rotates, it breaks the field, and it creates an AC voltage wave, all right? Okay. If, if, you, if you were to take the distributor apart and look at it from underneath, you'll see, and take the pickup coil off, it's going to be cracked around the rivets. That's how they failed. Oh. The rivets that held okay. the pickup coil together would, would eventually cause the magnet to crack, and it distorted the AC signal. And it got okay. worse It got worse when they warmed up, and it was better when it was cold. All right? Yeah. And yeah. now the trick is going to be to find to find a an original AC, uh, you know, pickup coil. Uh, you know, where okay. are you going to find that? Thank God for eBay. The test used to be, <laughs> you know, the test used to be we take the pickup coil out, and if it didn't stick to the side of your toolbox, it was bad because the magnet was worn out. I swear to God, oh. that was the you oh. know that was the barometer. Um, it didn't always work, but more often than not, it did. But usually, oh. usually we would see a crack in the magnet where the rivet came through and and squeezed it, and that's how we knew that that was. The, now there was also a test we could put a scope on it. After a while, I got tired of scoping it. I scoped so many of them. Um, you know, you would you would see a signal coming out of it. Uh, you know, not not completely. Uh, you know, not completely impossible. You'd see, you know, if you wanted to do a, a pickup coil output test with the distributor in the vehicle, hook up a voltmeter to it, you should see between 6 and 900 millivolts engine cranking speed. If you don't see that, then, you know, you've got an issue there. If you could see it on a scope, even better. But if you don't have a scan tool like that, you're going to have a scope. You may not even have a multimeter. Um, but I would I would take a sure bet. I would take a look at the pickup coil. Surely at this age and mileage, if it hasn't had one, it, it, it's worth a Saturday afternoon of time to take it apart, put it together, watch the thrust washers down at the bottom side of the distributor, make sure when you drive the roll pin out you don't peen over the edges so you can put it back in, and you may want to consider while you're looking for that pickup coil from AC Delco, a real AC Delco pickup coil, make sure you get yourself a make sure you get yourself an AC Delco ignition module too because at this point it's overheated by now, I'm sure, with this age and mileage, and um, that, that'll probably do it for you, but Consider all the other things, but I would bet you this has a bad pickup coil. Try that. Do all of that as much as you can, and call me back. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. We're cruising around the corner. Don't go away. I'll be back right after this. Keep Ron's number handy, 855-560-9900, for when you really need advice on your car. Here's Ron. Welcome back. Let's go over and talk to Steve from the great state of Texas. Steve, how can I help you today, sir? So I called you about a month ago with a um, smoking uh, uh, pickup truck uh, I bought while my wife was on uh, a little vacation. Okay. And uh, you're... uh, your advice was was dead on. I replaced all the valve uh, seal guides, and it don't smoke no more. Cool beans. But uh, my next problem is I've got an 08 Jeep Wrangler. I've uh, I've had now for six years. And every three months, ninety days, I got to replace the rattle clips for the back brakes. They literally wear out right in the middle. I've bought aftermarket. I've bought dealer. I've t- tried them dry. And I've tried them with um, uh, the brake uh, the brake grease. They still wear out. When you say they wear out, Steve, what's wearing out? The, the metal wears through. Yeah, exactly. 
the uh, the tab on the brake shoe or on the brake pad literally wears through the metal. Not the fronts, both rears. And okay, so let's let's back up. You've owned the truck since new. Uh, I've I've had it uh, six years. All right. Um, when did this problem start? Day one. Really? Yeah. You, you mean for the I, last six I, I years, every 90 days, you're putting rear rattle clips on this truck? Literally. I've tried AutoZone. I've tried O'Reilly's. Uh. And you, let me ask you this, because this is a real weird problem, brother. Uh, you know, yeah. are you sure... And, you know, I start thinking about wrong parts. Are you sure it's got the right rear pads on it, the correct calipers, brackets, etc.? Nothing's undersized. The pad doesn't look bigger than the rotor or smaller than the rotor than it's supposed to be? Nope. I've, uh, I've replaced the rotors twice. Um, the bracketry I've replaced on both sides. Uh, that, was a, uh, that was a hit or miss, but... I snapped off a bolt in one. I'm like, okay, well, might as well place them both. And uh, the pads, I've I've gone through a couple of different sets. How does I know the, it's kind how, of a waste of money, but how does the vehicle break? How does it stop? Good pedal. Yeah, I got a solid uh, solid hard pedal. And when how do you know that the the rattle clip is worn out? What's what's the giveaway? Chirp 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 chirp. From the rattle when, clip when rubbing I, the rotor. Um, no, the whatever you know what it shakes, I get a chirp right then and there. I uh, I know it's time to change them. I'll pull them out, and they'll literally be a uh, a quarter inch like hole in the middle of them. Are, are, are we talking about the same thing? We're talking about the shim that sits in the guide of the caliper bracket to hold the ear of the brake pad to give it stability yes. in the bracket. It gives the stability of, of the uh, the brake pad. Right. And if you left those rattle clips off, what's the downside? Um, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't those brake... Uh the tabs, the ears on the um, the brake pads itself, wouldn't that like? Isn't the around? end of the isn't the end of the brake pad sort of rectangular that it sits in a groove? Right now, this this is that clip that sits in that groove. Right, right. You know what? Before I tell you something over the year, I want to see a picture of this. Can you take a picture of what it is you're replacing and a picture of the rear brake assembly? You know, okay. specifically the ear of the pad as it sits in the bracket, the caliper guide, the caliper uh, okay. clip, and email it to me. I want to see what this looks okay. like because this is this okay. is unusual. I haven't seen this one yet. All right. Yeah, it's uh, no one's ever heard of it. Yeah, I you <laughs> I know. was I was actually told, you know what, just replace the whole rear end. <laughs> now, nah, there's Not my budget. There's there's a there's a better answer than that. Um, okay. But, yeah, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. Send me an email. Send me some pictures. All right. All right I'll, I'll, I'll send I'll get it you on some Wednesday. Uh, yeah. I'm off on Wednesday, so I'll, I'll yeah. take care of it then. All right. Cool beans. Yeah, let's do that. I, there's got to be a reason, Steve. That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, you know, it's 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 un, unequal load, uneven load. Something's forcing that. 
And there's no way, stupid question, there's no way, I'm just trying to think of what an 08 Jeep rear looks like. There's no way the caliper brackets are on the wrong side of the axis of the rear, right? No, it can't be. It's, it's only got... It's impossible. It's impossible, right? There's nothing here that can yeah. be backwards. Uh, well, look right. at it this way. At least you know why the last guy got rid of it. So, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, I bought it as a repossessed car from a female. Right. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> I got to go. I'll get in trouble. So, Steve, send me an email. We'll go from there. All right, brother. You take good care. Thank you, sir. You're welcome, sir. Thank you. Um, I love a good mystery. So it sounds like an Abbott and Costello whodunit. Um, That ought to be interesting. We'll get to the bottom of it. Don't you worry, because I'm Ron Anany and the car doctor. 855-560-9900. Let's pull over and take a pause. I'll be back right after this. Ron Anany and the car doctor here. Let's go and talk to Patrick, West Virginia. How are you, Patrick? I don't know if they had like the women's Patrick, garage Patrick. Harley sponsored thing. Patrick. Patrick, Patrick. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're here. How are you? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I could hear some background going on there. That's okay. Uh, What's yeah, going on? I was calling you about uh, your podcast you had on 3 9 right. uh, last week. All right. I heard you talk about a guy there. He was talking about how his ABS light come on, and it was kind of weird because most of the time it had only done it when it was wet. Okay. Oh, the guy, uh, with, the, guy had, with the, the guy with the Mercedes a, that went through the car wash. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, my daughter had a 2009 Subaru Outback, right? And we had taken it uh, to the dealer, and they had said the wheel bearings was bad in it. So I brought it back home, and I put two new wheel bearings in the front, and that still didn't cure the problem of that ABS light, the traction control, and the cruise getting shut off. It's uh, ERSS error. Right. But it, but what it wound up finally happened to be was that we traced down inside there, I, I guess there's many names of reluctor ring, the uh, tongue ring, where that little pickup set. Yeah, the trigger wheel. Yeah. What had happened is uh, there was a crack down the side of it. Right. And Anytime you went through the car wash, that thing would throw up that ABS light. It turned off the uh, traction control, the cruise control, everything. Basically put it in limp mode. It took me forever to find that out. But we replaced the wheel bearings, and then finally it was just those little $25 parts. But I guess, you know, the dealer had kept throwing it out. It was wheel bearings, wheel bearings, wheel bearings. And we finally... It took forever because when you run through the car wash or it would lightly rain, those would get wet, I guess, would pick moisture up in them, and it would throw all that air. Well, either that or when it went into the car wash, the force of the car wash, maybe somehow it dislodged the tone ring and it was loose when you were pulling out of the car wash and caused it to act up, and then it took a while for it to stick again. I could see that in the Subaru. By the way, in that Mercedes, the gentleman's Mercedes that called last week, I don't believe that has exposed tone rings. I believe they're all in, 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 encapsulated and ensconced inside the hub assembly, so I'm betting the car wash couldn't affect it, but... You know what? You never know. The weird problems are the ones that stick with you because you're always trying to find answers. I appreciate the call, Patrick. I appreciate you listening, and thanks for uh, being all that you can be and helping fix cars. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. Until the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. Let's go.